Romans chapter 1, please. Romans chapter 1. And we will get right in uh, to the message this afternoon. Romans chapter 1, I'm going to direct your attention to verse 8. We'll read down through verse 15. The Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome. By the way, uh, the Apostle Paul did not start the church in Rome. In fact, when Paul wrote this letter, he had not even met these people yet. Uh, But he's writing to them because his heart is still towards them and he desires to see them and to, uh, to impart truth to them, to be a blessing to them. And that's sort of important as we read these first verses to understand that. And Paul had not met these people yet. And in the first part of Romans, uh, verse 7 verses, Paul introduces himself. He introduces himself as the messenger, but also the message that he preached, which was the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then you get down to verse 8, and Paul talks more about himself in, in, in certain ways, but, but, but more he's, well, we'll get to it. I want you to just follow along as we read verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end ye may be established, that is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise, So as much as it in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In my lifetime, uh, I have been blessed by the Lord to have been in the company of people that I would personally consider to be Uh, great people of God, men and ladies, people who have left an impression on my life in some way, shape, or form. And and the reason they've left an impression is because of the lives that they've lived. Maybe it's a, a pastor, a message that he's preached, or maybe it's just a person who's just lived a very consistent Christian life, and the motive behind what they do is so very evident. It's that they love the Lord and they love people. And in, I think that I could probably say I've learned more, certainly from people and the way that they've lived their lives, more than I've ever learned from a class I've taken, a book I've read, or any other thing like that. And I'm simply saying that people are examples. People are examples of what is good. People can be examples of what is bad. But I appreciate people who have genuinely lived the Christian life in front of me 
and demonstrated by their life spiritual truth that's impacted my life. Whether that's a pastor in another church or whether it's church members who, who you can just, they're an example to me in, in, a, in parts of their life and I glean from them. I'm encouraged by them. I grow in the Lord because of them. And in our text verses, Paul is talking about the, the genuineness of his heart, but in a very real way, what he is sharing with the, the church in Rome and with us today, in, in telling about the motive for why he's writing this letter, Paul is really demonstrating several genuine Christian character traits uh, in this passage that really teach us and show us what every Christian ought to long to be or desire to be. And that's the direction I'm going to go over the next couple of weeks in this passage here, is really looking at Paul's life and Paul's example and how he, he speaks here it really demonstrates for us what every Christian should desire to have in their life. And I think it's, there's some, some real valuable truth here that we should pay attention to and we should examine our own heart and life and, and, real, and, and examine, do, do I demonstrate, do I live this in my life so that my life is also an example and an encouragement to other people? And so that's the direction that we're going to go, what every Christian should strive to be. And Paul sets that example for us here, and we'll, we'll pull some of these out uh, today and then next week as well, Lord willing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd use your word again. We always pray that, but Lord, I, I mean it. I desire it, that you'd use your word in our life. There's nothing else that can influence and impact our life like the word of God, because the word of God is quick and powerful. It's alive it's not just a book like any other book, but it's spiritually alive, and it's the discerner of the thoughts and intents of a person's heart. And Lord, we need your word for sanctification. It's the truth for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And so, Lord, we pray, Lord, would you use your word in our lives today? And you promised that you would, that it would not return void. And so, Lord, I'm asking that you would take the scriptures today, Lord, that you take the truth concerning the Apostle Paul's life and what he lived. And Lord, I pray that it would become an example for us and something that we would strive for in our Christian life as well. And Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. First is in verse 8, where Paul says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. First, Christian character that Paul demonstrates here is that he was thankful. And it's something that every Christian should be, is thankful, a thankful person. Paul begins writing to these Romans about his motives for why he's writing to them. And the very first thing that he says is that he is thankful to, for them to, uh, through Jesus Christ. Now remember, Paul hadn't met these people. Paul didn't start this church in Rome. Uh, Paul had, had not seen them to their face. He had not had this personal influence in their life. Paul says to them, I'm thankful to the Lord that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. And you know what we don't see here? We don't see jealousy. We don't see envy. 
We don't see uh, Paul doing anything except for thanking the Lord for them and their testimony and their Christian life that they had been living throughout the whole world. Instead of being jealous, Paul was thankful for them and he was praising the Lord for them. And every one of us could learn a lesson from this because I know that it is God's will for God's children to be a thankful people. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. God wants His people to have a thankful spirit. But you know how people look at other people often? With a very critical eye. And we look around at others and we're just watching with a critical eye, looking for something that we can latch onto. And why is it that people do that? Why is it that people look at others with a critical eye? Often it's rooted in jealousy. You know, God's blessing somebody else or God is using somebody else. And, and instead of us rejoicing, instead of praising the Lord for them, I am so thankful that God is using your life. I am so thankful that you're growing in the Lord. I'm so thankful that you had that kind of an influence on other people. Instead of rejoicing in that, we look at others with a critical eye. Well, they're getting accolades. They're getting praise. They're getting recognized. And that's not the heart attitude that God's people should have. Sometimes pastors do that. They look at, oh, look at that church. See that God's using another church in some particular way. And it's like we have this tinge of jealousy. Like, I, I, want, to, I want that. I want to have those kinds of recognitions. Or, or other people say, look, look at that person. They, in the, and they don't say those things, but in their mind, they're watching other people. Look at that couple. Or look at that person and how, how it seems like things are going well in their life. And they're not going well in mine etc., etc. And we just sort of look at people with a critical eye and a critical spirit. Paul didn't do that with his church. Paul said, I'm thankful to the Lord. And he says that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. People are talking about you and what God is doing in your church and in your life. And I am so thankful to the Lord that that is happening. Many Christians are not very thankful today. There's a lot of complaining that goes on. A lot of discontentment that is demonstrated. No finding of joy in their life or contentedness. Always something to be complaining about or something wrong. But how is it that we cultivate a thankful spirit because... In everything, we're to give thanks, for this is the will of God. We ought to be the most thankful people of all, amen, because of what God has done for our soul in salvation. How is it that we cultivate a thankful kind of spirit rather than a critical kind of spirit? Well, the answer lies in placing Jesus Christ at the very center of all that you do in your life. Really letting Him be Lord in your life is the answer. You know what? He is sufficient. And if you make Him your sufficiency, and whatever you have for my life, that's what is going to glorify you, then Lord, that's what I want. Lord, I just want to be your servant. Lord, I want to be 
obedient to you. It doesn't matter what other people do. Lord, if you glorify your, yourself through my life somehow, that's what I really want. Then we can rejoice with others about what God does in their life. You remember what Peter said to Jesus about John? When Peter said, well, what about this man? What's he going to do? And Jesus said, what is that to thee? You follow me. You obey me. And we ought to have the same kind of heart attitude that, Lord, I'm your servant. I'm so thankful to you that you've saved my soul, that I can serve you. And I can rejoice with others about what you're doing in their life because you're being glorified. I don't have to sit back and be critical or be in other people's business all the time about what's going on in their life. In fact, when God uses them, I can say, praise the Lord, God used you to be a blessing in somebody else's life. I don't have to be the center of attention all the time. Paul didn't have to be the center of attention. He said, I'm thankful to the Lord for how He is using your life. I think if we live on the temporal plane, and it's all about the material, all about the physical, or, or it's all about me and attention to me, you're, we're likely going to live a defeated life because those things are always fleeting. Those things are always fleeting away. Discontentedness or an unsettledness often has its roots in selfishness. The secret lies in being satisfied with Christ. Look at, let's look at a couple of passages of Scripture. Just keep your place here. In Philippians chapter 4, being content and satisfied with what the Lord has for you in your life right now in this place. Philippians 4 and verse 10, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Paul said, I've learned that in whatever situation I find myself in, because that's where the Lord has put me, I've learned to be content. And I've experienced being abased. I've experienced abounding. I've experienced hunger. I've experienced being full and all of those things. But it doesn't matter because I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Paul's focus was Christ. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, verse 6, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing in this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So whether we're talking about the material, physical world, whether we're talking about the spiritual life, be content, being contented in Christ 
is the answer to, to having a thankful heart, thankful that the Lord is using my life in the way that He is, thankful that God uses other people the way that He does. Paul just simply says, I thank the Lord. And there's another application in that verse because Paul says, I'm thankful that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. These people were known everywhere for their solid faith and their manner of life. And Paul rejoiced in that. He didn't found or start that church or plant that church. He hadn't even met these people, and yet he knew them because their reputation was that they had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and it was being talked about. Well, you know, the same should be true of Black Road Baptist Church and every individual as well. Whether you're at home, whether you're on the job, whether you're at the store, or wherever you are, there should be a testimony about us that marks us as belonging to the Lord Jesus Christ. These people were known for being belonging to the Lord Jesus Christ, their faith in Christ. Something to be thankful for. Look at verse 9. Secondly, he says, For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Not only should we be a thankful people, but we should also be a prayerful people. That ought to be a mark of the Christian. Every Christian should be prayerful in their life. The Apostle Paul's ministry was primarily preaching the gospel. He said that in verse 9, the first part. However, he had a secondary ministry that was just as vital as the first. Paul had a ministry of prayer. He made prayer a priority, and the Roman believers were never taken off of Paul's prayer list. He said, God is my witness. I always make mention of you in my prayers. I want you to understand here that we don't have a record of exactly what he prayed for, on their behalf. But we can look at some other passages of Scripture where the Apostle Paul states how he prayed for other believers, and we could probably make that assumption that, you know what, Paul no doubt was praying the same kinds of things for these believers. Look in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3 and verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Wow, what a prayer to be praying for people. And Paul prayed this for the, the believers in Ephesus. And he said, I bow my knees before God for you all. And the, what I'm praying for is that God would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened in your inner man. Wow. That you would be, what? That Christ would dwell in your hearts. 
that you would be rooted and grounded in love, that you would comprehend with all saints the breadth, length, and depth, to know the love of Christ. Wow, what a prayer to pray for other people. No doubt Paul was praying the same kinds of things for these believers in Rome. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul says in verse 9, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Paul's prayer for the Philippian believers was that they would be filled with the fruits of righteousness, that they would abound in their love more and more, that they would approve things that are excellent, and they would be sincere in, in, their, in their Christian life. And he says, for the glory of Jesus Christ, for the glory and praise of God. That's why I pray these things for your life, so that your life will glorify God. Look in Colossians chapter 1. We'll just give you one other reference here, an example, before we move on here. But Colossians 1 in verse 9, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of His will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And here's another thing he says, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord, Unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience, long suffering with joyfulness. And he talks about giving thanks to the Lord as well. Hey, what do we note about Paul's prayers? What I'm noting here is that there's not one time when his prayer is selfish. It's always directed towards God's will being accomplished in somebody else's life, that they would be strengthened, that they would grow for the glory of God. All of his prayers are spiritual prayers. You notice that too? Not only are they not selfish, but they're spiritual. And they're always on behalf of others. What a lesson for us. How much of our praying is selfish in nature? If you even have a prayer life, how much of it is selfish in nature? Lord, help me. Lord, bless me. Lord, bless me and my family. Lord, meet my need. I think if we're honest, that could be an example of how we may be guilty of praying most of the time. But I believe the Lord would have us to be engaged in a ministry of intercessory prayer that touches the lives of others. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. How much do we... Pray for our brothers and sisters in the Lord that they would be strengthened spiritually in the inner man. That they would grow. That they would be comforted. And so on. How, so how would you 
describe your prayer life this afternoon? Who is the main topic of your prayer life? You? Or is it others? That's an area I think that maybe we all need to take a look at. Maybe not. I don't know your heart, but Paul said, I'm thankful for you and I'm praying for you. Go back to Romans 1 and look at verse 10. Not only should we strive to be thankful, not only should we strive to be prayerful, but Paul's also another great example here in verse 10 of how every Christian should be surrendered. He said, making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. Paul said here, I'm praying if it's the Lord's will or if the Lord will allow it by the will of God to come unto you. Paul's desire was real. There was nothing wrong with the desire to travel to Rome to see these believers, but Paul was willing to surrender what his will was to the will of God. That was repeated at other points in his ministry as well. You can read several places where Paul said, this was what I intended to do, but the Spirit of God led me in another way. And it seems to me that Paul was willing to lay aside his own plans so that he might know and do the will of the Lord for his life. And here's the application. That's the will of God for every Christian. He wants us to be willing to place his will ahead of our own. And you know, here's a, here's a, here's a fact for you <laughs> that you can write down and mark down. The Lord comes along into your life and he's truly the Lord of your life. He's going to change your agenda. He's going to change my agenda. But so often we operate with an agenda. And we call it being spiritual. We call it being the will of God. But the truly surrendered heart says, Lord, it doesn't matter what you tell me to do. Here's what my desire would be. But Lord, if you change that, so be it. I simply want to do your will. A heart like Paul's is a heart that the Lord can use for his glory because it's the same kind of heart that Jesus had. A heart that knows no higher goal than pleasing the Father at all times. And our prayer ought to be, and the Lord is my witness, my prayer is, Lord, give me a heart like that. Where my agenda doesn't exist. And there might be something I desire, but Lord, whatever you would have that would glorify you, that's what I want. And what could the Lord do with a church full of people who are just completely surrendered to the will of God ahead of everything else? Lord, I need that. I need you to work that in my life. Paul said, by the will of God. That was his heart. And then look at verse 11. This will be the last thing that we consider today. But he says, for I long to see you 
that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end he may be established. You know what Paul is saying here? I want to be used of the Lord to be a blessing in your life. Paul said, I want to be usable. As he continues here, he reveals his heart to the Roman Christians. He tells them why he wishes to come to Rome. Why did he want to visit them? Because he wants to be a spiritual blessing to them to help them to grow. It tells us here in no uncertain terms that Paul wanted to be usable of the Lord in the Lord's work for the blessing of other people. But you know what happens a lot of times? We cloak things and we wrap things in spiritual words and spiritual wrapping paper. And I just want to be used of the Lord. I just want to bless your life, brother. But in reality, what we want is we want attention for ourselves. The motive isn't, I just want to be a blessing to you. Now, Paul says here in verse 11, I want to impart unto you some spiritual gift. He's not talking about gifts of the Spirit or, or some kind of miraculous thing here. What Paul is saying is that he wants to come to them to be used of the Lord, to be spiritually challenging to them so that they could grow in maturity and become more like Christ. That's what he's talking about. But let me ask you a question. Can you honestly say that that's the motive of your life too? To be a spiritual blessing to others? We're told in Hebrews to consider one another, to provoke one another unto love and to good works. Meaning that my life ought to be an example and a challenge and an encouragement to others to be and to grow uh, into the image of Christ as well. And your life ought to be the same toward me and for me. Can you honestly say that your life is a vessel that God can use? Is your walk with the Lord such that others are inspired to be more spiritual, more spiritually minded because of your influence? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul says here in verse 12, 1 Thessalonians 3.12, he says, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. He says that he's, his heart is that the Lord would make you to increase in love one toward another and toward others, and that uh, the end result would be that you're established in your Christian faith, that you're unblameable in holiness before God. That's what his desire was for these people, that they would grow by his life. You know, one of two things are going to happen. Either people are going to be inspired to draw closer to God and grow in their relationship with the Lord, or that kind of a life is going to make other people uncomfortable. And it depends on their own heart before the Lord. 
You know, to be around people that inspire me or encourage me or challenge me to be better or to be more like Christ or to be more spiritual, that's the thing that I crave. But there was a time in my life when being around a spiritual person made me feel uncomfortable. Ugh. I, don't, I feel convicted. I don't like being around them. I don't like them. Why? Because they're terrible people? No, because they're spiritual and I'm not. That's what it was in my life. And it made me feel uncomfortable. But now, now I want to be around people that inspire me to be more like Christ or be more spiritually minded. And we ought to have the same desire one toward another. Lord, use my life to be a challenge and a blessing to other people. But I have to be spiritually minded myself first. I want my life to be one that inspires others, that God can use me to challenge others toward Christ's likeness. I don't want to be one that's dragging other people down. You've heard me use that illustration before about crabs in a bucket. You don't have to put a lid on a bucket full of crabs. They keep themselves in. Because the moment that one is trying to climb out, the rest of them are always just pulling them right back down. Our lives ought to be usable to the Lord to encourage and challenge others. And that's what Paul said to these believers in Rome. He said, I want to come to you. I want to see you so that I can impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established so that your life is blessed and strengthened. It's pretty safe to say that Paul represents really what every Christian should be or desire to be. Thankful, prayerful, surrendered, usable. The question is, are you? Is that what you're striving for? And the challenge this afternoon is just take a minute and examine your own life. Am I really surrendered to the Lord? Is my life an example? Do I love other people to the point that I want my life to be an example to them? Are my prayers self-centered, focused, or is it prayers for others to grow in the Lord and for their lives to be used of God? Am I thankful for what the Lord has done in my own life? Or am I critical? Do I complain a lot? There's some challenges for the Christian here. If we'll take the time to examine our own life. And maybe there are some areas where we need to move closer to the Lord. And if there are those areas, then we ought to have a humble enough heart, which Paul talks about later. We'll talk about that next time. A humble enough heart to say, this is an area that I am deficient in. Lord, by your grace, will you help me to grow? So are there areas that need to be surrendered? Are there motives that need to be addressed? Whatever the Lord would do in your heart, the prayer is that there's a humble enough response to say, Lord, whatever you want, change it about me. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you just use your word. May it be a challenge to us every day.
What should my life look like as a Christian? The Apostle Paul demonstrates for us what ought to be in the life of Christian people, a thankful people, not a complaining people, a grateful people for what the Lord has done, a prayerful people, not self-centered, but praying for others, a surrendered people. Lord, however you would use my life, I don't have an agenda. My only agenda is yours. And a usable people, where our life can be used of God to bless others and inspire others toward more Christ-likeness. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us to do some self-examination and ask ourselves these questions. Instead of looking around at others or having a critical eye, Lord, I pray that we would examine ourselves. And Lord, ultimately, that we would be able to grow more into the image of Jesus Christ, to be more used of you, to glorify you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.